0: Welcome to the Hope Frontier podcast. Hope Frontier is a multimedia platform that dives deep into the Bible, helping you connect God's word to your life. Check us out on our YouTube channel and hopefrontier.com. To support our channel, please subscribe and go to our giving page on hopefrontier.com. Step into your new frontier with hope. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Hope Frontier podcast. This is Phil, and I'm really excited to get into the third chapter of Ruth. It's been exciting so far to see how God is interacting with both Naomi and Ruth. And with the introduction of Boaz, we're going to see how God really fulfills his covenant promises, even when the faith wavers for his people. I love this chapter. We're really going to see how. The interactions are really faith-filled, how Ruth and Naomi are taking leaps of faith, and how God's covenant faithfulness really shines brightly through Boaz. So we're going to get started today, Ruth chapter 3, and we're going to break it up bit by bit, just like the other two chapters as well. So here we go in verse 1. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you, so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on perfume, and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor but don't let Boaz see you until he's finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down, then go, uncover his feet, and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. So that's the first paragraph. This is Naomi speaking to Ruth. So as we saw in the second chapter, Ruth was the one who was really fulfilling her covenant promise with Naomi. She was going out to provide for her mother-in-law. She promised her that it's my duty to take care of you. And now, Naomi's doing the same thing with Ruth. It's opposite. Naomi's saying to Ruth, this is my duty as your mother to find you a permanent home. She's really broken down the walls between mother-in-law and actual daughter. So by the fact that she needs to find this permanent home for Ruth, it has really shown how she's really accepted Ruth as literally her own daughter. She's assimilated into the culture. She's taken uh, Yahweh as her real God. And Naomi is going to do everything she can to provide for Ruth just as Ruth had provided for Naomi. And it's just great to see this faith-filled relationship between the daughter-in-law and mother-in-law. There are many... Examples around our world and history where the mother in law and daughter in law do not get well together. But this is in a great example where God shows what a real family should look like, even in the face of challenges. They are stronger than ever before, and they see each other as one cohesive unit. So it's just an amazing amount of grace and love and care that they're both showing to each other full of faithfulness, that God's going to do something. So here, once again, just like chapter 2, we see Naomi's building her faith again, building her faith, believing that God's going to do something. She makes the claim that Boaz is the close relative of ourselves. So once again, she's not saying Boaz is my close relative, therefore he must do this. No, no, no. Once again, she's saying our relative, Ruth is now seen in Ami's eyes as her own daughter, fully integrated. So even the language she uses is very strong, showing how much connection they have together. Now, for Christians around the world, I think this is something that we really need to take insight from the Bible and apply it into our lives. Because as we're all part of God's family, we're all relatives, and we're all one cohesive unit. It's all too easy to get distracted by what we want, by what we think is best, and and just by the circumstances. So here with Naomi and Ruth, it's a perfect example for all of us today that despite our differences, despite the challenges we're facing, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are one cohesive unit. And that has to be kept and maintained in order to see the best outcome for all of us. Naomi could have easily, you know, just told Ruth to go away, let her have her own life or just continue to keep a distance between them saying, my family, he's mine and you will be blessed because of me. But she doesn't do any of that. She doesn't take any of that pride in, in providing for Ruth as her own accomplishment. She doesn't do that because they're one unit. So she makes this plan for Ruth to be successful. And let me just tell you, it is a very daring plan. The first thing we have to see is that in this culture, Naomi was telling Ruth to do these actions which really simulated getting married. So this is a really bold plan. Take a bath, so get yourself clean, both symbolically as well as physically. Putting on perfume. So when we see the word nicest clothes, we have to just change our thoughts a little bit here by what it could really be meaning. And a good example from this was when King David's son had died and he was mourning. And this same word for clothes is used for that as well as the situation. So most likely what happened was that Ruth was wearing her clothes of being a widow, her mourning clothes, because she came back from Moab to Israel. She was probably wearing those clothes which would have signified that she is in mourning and that she is a widow. So Naomi's telling her, Let's remove those clothes so that you can put on new clothes so to show that your period of mourning for your husband is done and over and that you are ready to meet somebody new. And this also explains why Boaz may not have been proactive in marrying her as the Redeemer. We know that Boaz was a noble and righteous man. So if he would have seen Ruth every day wearing her mourning clothes... He would not have approached her because it is the right thing to do to let her have time to mourn for her dead husband. He was honoring Naomi, honoring Ruth, by giving them time to get better and to heal. So she's changing out of her mourning clothes into these new clothes to present herself to Boaz. So Naomi's plan, don't let Boaz see you till he's finished eating and drinking. But please be notice of where he's laying down. And here we're going to see a little bit of similarities between the story of in Genesis 19 and this one. In Genesis 19, Lot and his daughters were living in this cave near Zoar because they escaped Sodom and Gomorrah. And what happens is they use a lot of similar language where. The girls are going to give Lot this food. They're going to help him be eating and drinking. But the difference is here is that in Genesis 19, it's highlighting their selfish and horrible behavior, right? But in Ruth, they're going to highlight her righteous behavior. So in Genesis 19, what we know is that they got the father drunk intentionally. Then they had sex with him so that they could get pregnant. And Moab was born. Right, So you see Moab here, and she's a Moabite. So one is the example of Genesis 19, which is unfaithfulness and going against God's ways. And in the book of Ruth, it is showing how even foreigners, especially someone who comes from a line of unfaithfulness, can be seen as faithful in God's eyes if they do what is right. So Boaz doesn't get drunk. The plan isn't to get him wasted and take advantage of him. That is not the plan at all. Actually, what's really referring to is Boaz is fulfilled and thankful for God's provision. So back to the beginning of the chapter 1, there was famine. So now he's fulfilled and thankful for God's uh, blessing for this, this harvest. And he's enjoying God's faithfulness to his life. So he's feeling good. And it gets a little tricky in verse 4 where she uncovers his feet. And what we really know is that Ruth is someone who is noble character. Unlike Lot and his daughters in Genesis 19, where they basically tricked the father into having sex with them to have a baby, which is really wrong. (laughs) We know that Ruth isn't like that. And the parallel in between these two stories is very strong. So a lot of people think that perhaps this is a euphemism for, you know, she took off his clothes and had sex with him, but that's most likely not the situation. Probably what she did was in this culture, she probably came up to him when he was sleeping. She wanted him to maybe pull up his robe until about, let's say, the swimsuit line, okay, because uncovering his feet could also mean his limbs, could also mean thighs, Um, even his genital area, it's, it's it's a wide range of area. We do know that since he was a noble, honorable man, most likely Ruth did not want to bring dishonor upon him by exposing his nakedness, right? We know that his reaction is going to be one of favor and goodness. So if she was doing such a lewd act, he probably would not have reacted the same way. But there still was a lot of really strength and assertion of what she's doing. She's still going to him, and most likely she is pulling up his robe in a symbolic way to show that she wants to be with him. And of course, be with him in the marriage setting. So this way, she is showing her intention, but she's letting him keep his honor, she's letting him keep his dignity and his reputation which really goes in line with what she is and shows the strong parallel between Genesis 19 where Moab was seen as unfaithful and disgusting. So here Ruth is the opposite. She's righteous and good. And I love the parallel here because it really does show us that no matter what our background is, no matter where we have come from, God still looks at our actions and behaviors today and that's how we live our life with God. So let's not get stuck on, on our past and what things had been in the past. But rather, we're going to focus on what we can do today and how we can live righteous today. So this plan is really riddled with ways it can go poorly. <laughs> okay? The first way it could go poorly is that by approaching uh, Boaz at night time, He could think that she's just some prostitute and just try to have sex with her and that's it, which would be a horrible thing for Ruth to happen. It would be disgraceful and it would just ruin everything she's working for. That's the first thing. The second option is he could see what she's trying to do and how bold she's being and get disgusted by her actions and shoo her away. He doesn't have to get married to her. There's no legal obligation that is forcing him to get married with her. So the least likely outcome is that he will want to marry her. It's the amount of faith that these two women had that God would not let them fail, that God would use Boaz, and that God would really show his compassion just through this man's life and actions. And that's what they're believing in. Because if you think about what she's going to do, she's going to go to her boss, basically, right? She's working on his farm. So this lowly, lowest of low worker is going to approach the highest position she can, asking to marry him. She is extremely poor and destitute. She has no way to live for herself. And she's going to ask a man who has tons of other options of women out there who would benefit him much more than her to marry him. She's already widowed. So when he would marry her and if he would have a child, the firstborn child would receive a lot of the inheritance already, which goes against his own name. So a lot of men may be fearful of this second marriage where their firstborn male with this new wife, would take a lot of the assets away in case they didn't have any other children, which Boaz doesn't. So it's a huge risk what she's doing. And please don't forget that she is a Moabite asking an Israelite man in Israel who owns land to be her husband. It's a huge, bold thing that she's doing. So in verse 5, I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. That's it. I'll do everything. <laughs> she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. So we'll take a a break there. So Ruth's unwavering faithfulness to her mother astounds the readers. She doesn't question it. She doesn't doubt it. She just does it. She's really acting in a way that is of complete loyalty to her mother. And then at midnight, she does the actions. And he woke up suddenly and turned over probably because he was cold because of her pulling up his robes, up to about his swimsuit line, most likely. And he was surprised to see her there. So once again, um, this is such a big risk because who knows how he would be feeling, right? He's sleeping in the middle of the night. He's just waking up. Hey, there were a lot of prostitutes that most likely went to this area because it was harvest time. So there was a lot more money being around. And so he could have easily... Thought she was some prostitute because she took a bath, was perfumed up, wearing different clothes. He can't see very well at nighttime. But it really just shows, once again, how faithful that she is and how much she trusts in Boaz's character as a noble and honorable man. He didn't do any of those things that would be expected of other men. So in verse 9, He asks, who are you? I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. And we'll just stop right there. So now Ruth turns the whole tables around. So the mother, Naomi, told Ruth, hey, we must rely on Boaz and rely on his generosity and grace. So Ruth is interpreting these things. And when Boaz says, who are you? She puts everything on him. She says, I am your servant. So she's taking this responsibility for herself and placing it on Boaz. Because he's the family redeemer. And he would have known that because he knew that it was Naomi's daughter-in-law. So now she's in her new clothes. She's perfumed up. And she's coming to him saying, I am here for you to do your job. That's really what she's saying. And it's a lot of pressure and intensity for Boaz. This is such a strong statement where she's basically just telling him, it's your duty to marry me. It's your duty as the brother of my dead husband to take care of me. And he doesn't have to do it. He could just reject her 100%. But she's trusting in his character. And she's even taking his own words and showing his duty and responsibility to take care of his dead brother and also his sister-in-law. She says... Spread the corner of your covering over me. If you remember in Ruth 2.12, Boaz said to her, uh, May the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come take refuge, reward you fully for what you've done. It's the same type of language that they're using here. Spreading your wings of covering, spreading your cover of your robe over me. It's the same wordage that's being used in both examples. So she's really pressing in on his devout faithfulness to God. Saying, hey, you're the one who said that God was going to bless me for my faithfulness. And I believe that God is going to be bless me through you. So spread your covering over me. Right? She's not saying, I'm demanding a child. No, she's saying, as a follower of God, as a faithful and just man, It is your right, it is your duty to honor God and to bring God glory to take care of me for I'm your dead relative's wife and also to take care of Naomi. It is such a an amazing statement of faith that she has as a woman from Moab who is coming into Israelite culture to really assimilate so strongly into this culture that God has. We even know that God has used this same type of spreading for covering in different ways in Ezekiel 16:8 God uses the same analogy as his marriage to Israel. So her request is straight to the point, full of faith and very assertive, really honing in on Boaz's devout faithfulness to God. So what was his reaction? She's probably terrified, right? In verse 10 The Lord bless you, my daughter. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you're a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, very well, let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. And we'll take a break there. So Boaz's immediate reaction was, wow, this woman is faithful. She is doing everything she can to fulfill her promise to God. And he loves it. So what Ruth is really doing here is she's not thinking about herself. She's thinking about Naomi again. Naomi is the one who needs protection. She's not going to get married again. That's not going to happen. She's all alone. So Ruth is doing this in order to help her mother-in-law. And Boaz sees it. So even more than just getting the grain for her at one time, Ruth is committed to providing for Naomi for the rest of her life. By marrying Boaz and coming into that family, she's going to bring Naomi with her, which really shows and highlights her covenant relationship with her mother that she made, which once again shows us the same kind of covenant relationship that God has with us. So everyone in town knows that she's a virtuous woman, not because she's going around parading herself before everybody else, but because she is the epitome of kindness, faithfulness, and blessing to Naomi. Her being this loving woman has really reverberated through the entire town because she's obviously the lowest of the low in the social status. She's got nothing to show for herself. But everyone can see through her actions, her amazing character and heart. And so for Boaz, he sees this as a great opportunity to find an amazing, loving woman who would be faithful to the day he dies and would honor God on everything she does. But he does realize, hey, I got to make sure everything's okay. So please just, 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 just hold on a little bit until I can sort this out. So let's continue in verse 14. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done, and she added, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother in law empty handed. Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter. Wait until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he's settled things today. So Boaz's reaction was not of self interest here. Boaz's reaction is always keeping Ruth. In the light of purity and faithfulness, he tells her, wait here, but you must go before anyone can recognize you, because he doesn't want there to be rumors going around town that Ruth was prostituting herself to Boaz, or that Ruth was trying to seduce Boaz or trying to manipulate him into this marriage. That would go against everything both of them stand for and would ruin their reputations. So Boaz is looking out for Ruth's best interests the whole time. But before she goes, he takes some more barley and puts it in her cloak. Now, why would he do that? Why would he do that? When we jump down to verse 17, he told her, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And this is in contrast to chapter 1, verse 21, when Naomi said, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. So Boaz is fulfilling God's covenant promise through Ruth. So God is not going to just magically fill up these baskets of food for Naomi. God doesn't usually work like that, okay? What God's going to do is he's going to show his covenant faithfulness through other people. And in this case, he's showing it through Boaz. So Boaz is fulfilling God's covenant promise to Naomi. And so in our lives, I know that for myself, you know, especially, sometimes we expect God to just provide miracles for us. But what really God wants to do is he wants to involve people into the miracle and just show his faithfulness and show his character through what happens in the interactions in our world today. So some people can look at this and just say, oh, It just so happened that he was a nice guy. But the whole point of the book is showing that God is fulfilling his covenant promises throughout all the actions of the people in this story. When someone acts out of faith, God responds through another person's actions, words, and behaviors. So that's what's really going on here. God is fulfilling his promises to Naomi and really building her faith. The faith that was shaken, the faith that was lost, the faith that was in danger. God is bringing her back into the family and saying, "Do you see my promises that I made to you? Well, they're here." Now it's Naomi and Ruth's turn just to wait for Boaz to speak to the council. So we're going to talk about that in chapter 4. But this is an amazing chapter because we really see how Naomi and Ruth are acting out of faith, acting in trust that God is going to move and act through Boaz. And Boaz is really taking the responsibility of being a faithful follower of God and doing all he can to bring glory to God through his actions. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and just get ready for our next podcast as we finish up the book of Ruth. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time.